don't think a USB mic would need a windscreen, would it? Mm-hmm. You know, so that that might have something to do with it, because we're using the traditional XLR input mics. Some of them do. Some of them do, huh? Yeah, That's some of them do. Yeah, I don't know why some people stream without a boom mic. I guess they like to pop the microphone. You see that? No, no effect. <laughs> no real effect on our on our listeners. No effects. No effects. I remember that band. It's like when a Kev lives his life like Fat Mike. <laughs> he does. Fat Kev. Fat Kev, yeah. I'm going to go out, have a cigarette, and skate. <laughs> <laughs> He's good, though. I, I saw Kev not too, a couple weeks ago when we were helping my grandparents. How's he doing? He's good. Living married life, all that. Good stuff, though. I'm happy for him, you know? Good copy, sir. Yeah, man. So so we got one uh, one beefcake one beefcake of an agenda. Yeah, we do. Uh, our agenda looks like the uh, the lead vocalist from Harm's Way. True. This is true. Oh yeah. Oh shit! I should probably get that thing pulled up so I don't have to have you wait for an eternity. Yeah, an extended period of time, but uh, we'll wait. <laughs> we'll wait. I think this is the longest pre-roll we've had in quite no, some time. That's definitely not true. We've definitely had longer ones. Historically, at least. Huh. Oh, yeah. But um, just trying to make sure everything sounds good on this end. Woo. You just going to woo into the mic? Yeah, a little bit. Is that your new thing? Sure. I think this is an appropriate length away from my face. All right, Gabe, are you ready? Oh, yeah. What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Second City Kids podcast, episode number 128. 128. Can you yeah, imagine that? For the record, Gabe, when you were talking, when my intro was playing, I couldn't hear a word that was coming out of your mouth. <laughs> I, I wasn't saying a damn thing. I sound like you said we were saying stuff. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks imagining things oh, here, man. man. Oh, man. But yeah, we are back on a cloudy, decently warm day on the south side of Chicago, Illinois. I like how I incorporated the weather. Like people can experience that with me. <laughs> Hi, it's Tom Skillet on the Second City Kids podcast. <laughs> or Skilling or whatever. S- Tom Skilling, yeah. Tom no, Skillet. I, I like Tom Skillet better. Tom Skillet. <laughs> hey, what's in the Skillet? Yeah, Some weatherman. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But we are back for another episode of the Second City Kids podcast. One twenty. Uh, yeah. One two eight. Yeah. As uh, as usual, per usual. It's a cloudy day on this. <laughs> you see, you <laughs> fucked up this whole order. I didn't fuck it up. Yeah, I, I got I you. I'll, I'll save us. How was your week? Oh, um, my week is all right. Uh, yeah, it's just all right. I don't want to get into it. No. <laughs> I'm just tired. A yeah. little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, I'm just a little, a little tired right yeah, now. Yeah, man. Well, it's good to enjoy that rest days. Those weekends is good, you know? True, true, true. Good stuff. Good stuff. How so, was your week? My week was uh, it was actually pretty all right. Uh, started off kind of slow. Um, I put some topics on here because I finally got around to stuff that I've been meaning to get around to, and we're going to talk about them today. But I did see a movie last night. I did finish a game last night. Um, what else did we do? Maddie and I went to that Blue Nose Brewery thing, their seven-year anniversary. So that was fun. Okay. And uh, she tweeted the other day. She's like, you know your regulars when the employees give you the, the friends and family discount. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't think I've been charged full price for a beer in quite some time. I wouldn't admit that out loud. Maybe the the, the, the executives are Redacted. Blue Nose. All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it was fun. They had some food trucks there. Uh, did you know that Cheesy's has a food truck? I didn't know that until Cheesy's started as a food truck. Huh. Yeah, the more you know, I guess. Cheesy started as a food truck. Did, Did you, you hear about the whole the whole thing on uh, Lagrange? Did we talk about that on the podcast? What what happened on Lagrange? How um, they removed Cheesies? Yeah, how we cheese- talk, well, because we went today, we were meaning to go to Cheesies. Yeah, and I see some place called Mac. Yeah, M A K. Get your fucking Euro yeah. spelling out here. 
Well, uh, what happened with that was is that I guess the owners of the location changed the name without asking Cheesy's. Okay. So Cheesy's like, uh, no, can't do that. Uh, that's our shit. We don't want nothing to do with you anymore. So you can't use our recipes or none of that. But so I know that's like similar, but not quite. Well, here's my thing, right? Because we went in and some of the things are relatively the same. Yeah. But they have like full fledged meals. Well, I guess not grilled cheese. Like they have burgers and stuff now, yeah. which is fine. But like I went in there specifically to get my fucking El Jefe grilled cheese. And it's not even on the whiteboard anymore. Yeah. What is this trash? So I, I looked at Manny. I was like, I don't want anything from here. We're going somewhere else. Yeah. So like I said, they franchised. Uh, that was the first attempt at franchising off the, the cheesy's name. And apparently didn't work out. So I don't see them doing that again. Well, anytime okay. Because here's the big <laughs> issue, right? You have a place up in um, Wisconsin and some northern Illinois spots called Max. It's short. It's an acronym. It's called for. It's short for. Macaroni and cheese shop, M-A-C-S, Max. Mm -hmm. And they make the best booming goddamn macaroni and cheese bowl you could imagine. I had crushed Fritos on mine when we went last time. It's just, man, you pull up a a menu guide right now. We're going to get hungry. Hold on. on. Let's do it then. Hold on. Yeah, let's pull up a menu guide, man. Let's rock and roll. Yeah, because we don't got nothing on the notes, so we got got all the time in the world to talk about. We're going to do some impromptu notes for you here. (laughs) Mac, you said macaroni and cheese shop, right? Just put M-A-C-S menu. M-A-C-S menu. We're about to make Jacob real hungry. Yeah, you probably are. Let's see what happens, though. Hold on. Uh, I just want to say for the record that my girlfriend made uh, lobster mac and cheese on Friday, and that was banging. Okay, okay, okay. That was real good. So they got the original, which looks like a you know macaroni and cheese. Let's see what the the ma- mama's mac cheddar mozzarella grilled hot dog. That's interesting. Cool, that's, cool. That's interesting. Loaded baked potato macaroni cheese, cheddar mozzarella baked potato, bacon sour cream chives. Awesome, love sounds chives. Good. That sounds good. Popeye, hold on. Uh, which is the more healthier option? Looks like fuck that. About as uh, healthier as it grease me up and set me free. <laughs> Provolone, mozzarella, saute onions, mushrooms, and spinach. So. You know, okay. Jalapeno popper, macaroni and cheese. This is jalapeno, mozzarella, jalapenos, bacon, cream, and sh- cream cheese. Oh wow! Holy shit! Okay. Hangover mac. This is this is like this is yeah. This is. Pepper jack, which is my shit. I love pepper Moots, jack. mozzarella, uh, hash browns, bacon, grilled hot dog, sautéed green peppers, onions, and mo- mushrooms and sriracha. I love sriracha. Oh, okay, okay. This is getting fun. Okay. Chicken bacon, uh, chicken bacon ranch. They should sponsor us. Um, cheddar mozzarella. I don't know why I keep on saying it like that. Mozzarella. Uh, chicken bacon and ranch. Okay. Ooh, cheeseburger mac. I'm going. I'm jumping to that one. You jumping the gun? <laughs> cheddar mozzarella ground beef pickles. Thousand Island dressing. Interesting. 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 I'm telling you, man. If you're ever up in the Dells, mm. you gotta hit. You gotta hit Max because this place is the shit. Interesting. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, man. See, just reading off that. Now you're craving for uh for some nice warm craft mac and cheese. Yeah, I could do that. That sounds yeah, good. Good stuff. Interesting. Interesting. All hey. right. Yeah. So we have a like a Gabe had mentioned prior a fat boy agenda. Not super crazy, but there's stuff in here for sure. Uh, let's go ahead and get started. So Disney Plus, right? Announced it. Announced it. Announced a bundle. Uh, they're Crazy gonna be, bundle. Yeah, they're gonna be bundling uh, Disney Plus with Hulu as well as ESPN Plus for twelve dollars. Yeah, for twelve dollars and ninety nine cents, so thirteen dollars technically. But that's crazy. That is that's epic. What 
ESPN for 13 bucks? Yeah. Where? Yeah. Nowhere. Yeah. Disney. Yeah. That's where. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Well, because, all right, the, the Hulu deal was already off the bat kind of good because Hulu's been known for kind of, you know, like bundling stuff. Like I have Hulu via Spotify, right? Mm-hmm. And if you have those two, you get Showtime on top of that for free. Oh. So it's like all this cool bundling stuff. But now they're like, hey, man, uh, yeah, let's just make Disney an obvious choice. Yeah. So I, I the reason why, well, outside of the fact that it's a good good idea, and like you said, Hulu tends to bundle with things. Apparently, the ESPN subscription service wasn't doing like great, so they said, "Fuck it, you know, let's get some users and add it onto the DS, uh, Disney Plus because obviously Disney owns ESPN because they own everything." Um, so they decided to tack it along. And I told my wife, "I'm like, yeah, let's do it. All I'll, the games I'll, right there for you. Yeah, I'm all over it. Yeah, I mean, I could fucking, I could shit watch if we could burn center all day. Get like." wrestling into espn that make our lives all the better <laughs> right yeah um yeah they uh they got some stuff going on in the works for fox because they just got a fat boy deal but i'm not gonna get into that speaking about fox actually we are about to get into that so since disney acquired fox they're remaking four of these kind of bigger fox movies that i mentioned to you briefly okay uh we're getting a home alone remake yep uh macaulay culkin tweeted about that it was pretty funny is he going to be involved or no? No, I don't think he's going to be involved. But he's okay. like, if Home Alone was remade today, and he's like all fat and stuff, and he's on this computer, and I don't know. I thought it was funny. All right, uh, cheaper by the dozen. Interesting choice. I Dier- like that. Diary like- of a Wimpy Kid. Okay, which I don't particularly care for. Uh-huh. And then Night at the Museum. Ooh, I got some mixed opinions about this one. About Night at the Museum? Not the not the movie itself. I enjoyed the movie. I thought the movie was fun. But I'm, I'm saying, saying the about remake. the remake. Yeah. yeah, I love Ben Stiller. Okay, I think he did a phenomenal job. I think. Um, the night at the museum premise leans itself on being like an educational program. I th- yeah no totally. Uh, I could also see it being an animated series. I can see that too. As opposed to would they get three movies out of it before Disney bought them? Two, two for two. sure, maybe three. Yeah, um, sure. and I could see it becoming like an animated series, yeah. and they could you know toss in the educational stuff with that. Yeah, because you, you could easily break it down like, well, this is what we're talking about this week, kind of like the Magic School Bus kind of situation. Choo choo. Yep. Um, so I'm with that. Uh, I like cheaper by the dozen. I think that's going to be interesting. I like the movies. The movies are fun. Um, you know, I'm not really particularly mad about any of these. See, Home Alone. Uh, I thought Home Alone was going to be that weird kind of sacred ground, but I guess the general consensus is, yeah, do it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just a diehard remake. But all right, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I I don't think it's quite there. I don't think it's, quite it's there. approaching, but not quite. Yeah, I don't. I don't really, th- I mean, we all. Well, because well, everybody's seen Home Alone. Home Alone is something you watch with your parents when you were like eight years old and, you, and everybody you, enjoyed the experience. And you fucking crack up hysterically. Yeah, right. Everybody's on the shit. couch enjoying some leftovers or some shit in the middle of winter and we're all just chuckling, right? That's yeah. what Home Alone was to most of us. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I'm not opposed to a remake, but I just thought that people would be like, what the fuck? Be up in arms about it. But I guess people are all on board. Well, it's like it's one of those things. Like, it's just one of those weird, those the weird things. Like, well, it's one of those weird things where when people feed you shit for so long, uh, you know, at one point you go, mm, mm, this is some tasty shit. I'm talking about all the remakes that have, I'm sorry, that, that yeah, went too far. That was a little but, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I guess we'll see. I, I'm excited to see where this goes. And uh, I was thinking you and I should make a list of Fox movies that they should remake. That they should remake. And okay. we're going to not include X-Men or Fantastic Four because those are obvious uh, cheap shots right there. Low hanging fruit. True, true, true. So we're going to go through some Fox movies. This next coming week, and we're going to come up with some stuff that they should remake. Okay. We could do that. Yeah. For sure. sure. What do we got next? We got uh, Smallville Crisis. So, um, 
Crisis on Infinite Earth is going to be um, like a TV series, right? Because cool. obviously with the whole Arrowverse and the DC Universe and all that, and all the TV shows doing relatively well, they decided that they're going to do the Crisis on Infinite Earth thing, right? With that, they're going to bring back some of the, the characters from Smallville and make them, having it all be kind of connected in their own little weird way. So I just thought it was something that was interesting because they, they, they approached the guy who played Lex Luthor on the show. And apparently they're like in works of getting him back and all that good stuff. So I was just wondering what you were opinion on the matter. Did you watch Smallville? I saw bits and pieces. I never like fully committed to it, but uh-huh. that's fun. I I think it's about time we came back around to Smallville because that was kind of a big deal back in the day. Yeah, it's funny because I remember it, I liked Smallville or I've heard of Smallville, I should say, pr- prior. But I hadn't originally I had no idea it had anything to do with Superman. I just thought it was one of those silly kid, those teenage, WB or yeah. CW fucking shows, like a Seventh Heaven or something like, like that. Uh, Vampire Diaries. Yeah, yeah. That's why I th- originally thought I had not, I had like zero idea that had anything to do with it. I mean, I guess it worked, right? Yeah, I, I guess. guess that was the the marketing strategy towards it. Yeah, they're kind of just leaning on the whole uh, Superman thing and not quite going full. Cool, cool, cool. Full with it. We got some uh, some circus news, and by circus I mean Andy Circus. Andy so, Circus. So when you put this on here, I originally looked at it and I was like. Doesn't he mean that Andy Serkis is going to do the animation for Venom? And then I saw the article and I was like, oh, shit. Andy Serkis is directing Venom 2. Yes, sir. Uh, directing Venom 2. And I think that's kind of awesome. Has he done a directing role yet? I don't know. Let I don't me look. think so. I mean, I think if anybody would get a chance to do it, I think. I mean, he's been on all these great fucking films. Well, that's actually, that was actually an article. Hold on. Whoops. Sorry. Uh, let me get this pulled up. Filmography. Andy Serkis filmography. Film. Moving and grooving. Nothing yet. I think this might be his directorial uh, this debut. This might be it. Yes. This is. What a movie to start off Oh, Moogly. 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 Oh. Mo- yeah. Yeah. But he, yeah, he also, yeah, director. Oh, actually, no. Hold on. Breathe. Breath? Breathe? Breath? He did that. That and starred Andrew Garfield. But other than that, he's, it looks like he's got about three films under his belt right now. This being the third. Cool. Should be fun. Uh, Andy Serkis is a dude we like on this podcast. Yep. And uh, Venom, the first Venom movie wasn't that bad. I didn't see it. I missed some dazzle, some razzle, but overall the ingredients were there. Solid foundation. My, my wife didn't seem to hate it. She watched it. She yeah, just, it wasn't a bad movie, but it wasn't a great movie. Yeah, she didn't seem to like it too much. You know, like the, it, I think it's kind of interesting that they got like this old, this own side universe for Spider-Man villains and characters. That well, when really... Spider-Man was Stanley's baby, yeah. what do you think was going to happen? No, I know, but I'm saying like as far as like having this old side universe that's not connected to to like, the big MCU, yeah, to the main canon, and they got this thing. Well, going hey on man, maybe now. we'll get a maybe we'll get a Tom Holland and uh, who's the dude Ed Hardy? Or not Tom Ed Hardy. Hardy. Tom Hardy. I'm Tom, sorry, Ed, Ed Hardy is the... all the t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe we'll get a Tom Hardy Tom Holland crossover with Venom Spider-Man. I wouldn't hate that. That's not a bad idea, actually. Uh, dude, did I tell you that I watched Sp- The Amazing Spider-Man 2 the other day for like the first time? Like, Oh, with Andrew Garfield? Yeah, well, all the way through. No. T- did I tell it? you I watched that? I hated it. It was oh. horrible. Have you seen... Yeah, you have. I was going to say Hexar Ridge. Yeah. I was, I was, my point being that it's not Andrew Garfield's No, fault. I know. No, I'm not blaming him. He's a good actor. I mean, they had Emma Stone in there, too. I mean, it's just the shit. The, the writing was... Whack. Whack. Yeah, it sucked. Uh, moving on to our <laughs> next point. We have... Uh, working on Havana Nocturne. What is this? So uh, this is a book that I'm actually just started. Oh, Literally wow, Jake's just, reading again. Well, it's not a, it's not, well, it's an audio, it's an audio book. I'm not reading okay. it, reading it. Uh, but basically I wanted to break down the premise to you and want to know if you were interested in it. <clears throat> so basically this is talking about, and this is a real life story, taking real life stories for people who are actually involved in the Cuban mob during the revolution. 
in, in cool. the 1950s, uh, basically breaking down everybody's life story and how the mob contributed to the whole entire thing, how they were involved. There's also a sequel to this book written by the same guy called The, the Corporation, which is the Cuban mob when they came to America and how they took over the kind of the, the you know New York, Miami kind of area and how that all worked out and the rise to power. And all yeah, that buddy. Stuff. If you like that stuff, you got to sit down and watch Cocaine Cowboys. It's on Hulu. Yeah. That dude, wild fucking ride. Yeah. Really? I got that from Joe Rogan. Okay. And me and Maddie watched it and we we're like, what the fuck? If you like that stuff, <laughs> sit down and watch Cocaine Cowboys have immediately to that, after this. I'm going to have to do that then. But yeah, I just wanted to put that on there because I'm going to keep you guys updated. How's the audiobook experience, man? I know a lot of these kind of gatekeeping readers are like, bro, you're not really reading. Fuck that. Yeah. I enjoy an audiobook. Is this your first one? No, I did uh, Devil in the White City, an audiobook. Uh, How's the narrator? For that one? Yeah. Devil, it was, he was good. He was, um, he was good because I think um, there's an art to that. You know? Yeah, you got to have good. Uh, a good speaking voice. A good voice, yeah. A good voice for her. And he did a great job with that. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this whole audiobook thing because it's something that I, I pick up better if I'm listening, not so much reading. Because I cannot tell you how many books I've read in my life where I'm like, I find myself like kind of stuck on stupid and I keep on reading the same paragraph over and, and it over just again. goes away. Right. Yeah, and like you read like, it and it's immediately like, okay. Okay. Focus, focus, focus. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I absolutely. think I pick it up better. Even if I'm just listening to it as a background and doing other things, I pick it up better. Than sure, just man. Some of us are, uh, auditory learners and others are sensory learners. That's me. I'm the Good auditory stuff, guy. Man. So I'm glad you're enjoying it. How, was it an expensive audiobook? Cause I know I, some of these dude, get pricey. It, no, it, it's, 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 it's free. Oh. Yeah, so I'm just, I'm trying to get through it as quickly as possible before it gets pulled down. Good. Copy. So I'll let you, like I said, I'm just gonna let you guys know that I'm working on it, and I do plan on bringing a review relatively soon. Yeah, we need more book reviews on this podcast. Yeah, the thing about books is that they're so time consuming, and and we and got I, so many other things that are time consuming. Yeah, and like you can watch a movie in two hours, and you boom, you can have an opinion on it or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I mean, essentially, ideally, we'd have a couple days before we even do the full movie review, right? Yeah, and so you got some time to think upon it because you know how many times have you finished something and you're like i don't know how i feel about this yet i gotta sleep yeah definitely um books are kind of hard to do that but i do want to read more books i feel like i'm yeah man speaking about i don't know how cells. i feel about this let's uh transition to toy story 4 so you got around to it i did what'd I you think i finally watched it last night and this is going to be a spoilerific review because yeah because you're like two months late yeah. so if you haven't seen it now you probably don't care yeah um so i saw toy story 4 last night um it was good I, I really did like it quite it a bit. It was proper. I definitely... I, I, I would probably... Well, I don't think there's any any way you're going to beat Toy Story 1 and 2. I think it comes really close. What, what is your order? You're what? From from Best Toy Story Movies? Yeah. 3-1-2. 3 Okay. See, because uh, I've seen some other opinions. But I guess it's the beauty of Toy Story, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd put this towards the higher end. I don't know if I'd call it my favorite one. Yeah. But it's definitely up there for me. Yeah. Uh, I just love the story that they decided to tell. Uh, I also had it last night. I'm like, this is kind of like an epilogue to the whole Toy Story kind of story. Because if you wanted it to be a trilogy, it could definitely serve as that. And if you want to watch this kind of like an add-on, a DLC, if you will. Yeah, it's Toy I, Story 3 Part 2. Yeah, I, I, I'd kind of like that. You know what I mean? Because um, the first three were mapped out in such a beautiful way. And not to say this one wasn't. Um, but, uh, it, like I said, you could, you could walk away happy if you just watched the three. Uh, but... What this movie brought to the table was a story, like a character study on Woody. Yeah. Kind of about how, how he, he's a broken fucking toy. Yeah, how he feels. You know what I mean? Like, because obviously, you know, when we met Woody originally, he was kind of the crazy, jealous kind of kind of guy. But after that, we kind of um, got past 
um, that and kind of made it focus more on the adventure aspect of the stories that they were telling. Right. But now, now that Woody's he lost his first kid, he's done with his first kid and he's kind of coming across this thing where he's like, where he starts to feel like he's losing purpose and um, he doesn't, he liked, he loves Bonnie, but he doesn't have that same kind of connection connection that he did with Andy. And he did a Freudian slip a handful of times when he would kept on calling Bonnie Andy and everybody's like, Oh no. And, um, it kind of discusses what Woody as, as a person or as a being, um, cares about because there was a, that opening scene was a tremendously powerful when both people was being taken away. Looks like they found a buyer for her lamp or whatever. And they took her away. And, um, Woody was going to hop in, but he stopped. Andy was the only thing stopping him. Yeah. yeah, He stopped himself because Andy was, was preventing him and both people understood that. So, um, and then they kind of kick off this whole credit crazy adventure and, uh, you know, they're going on a road trip. Uh, you know, Bonnie's going to first grade and, or kindergarten and she needs like a support, but you know, the toys and what he's doing, what he does best, which is kind of putting him his kid first. And, uh, Bonnie didn't even really notice that he was there the whole time. Yep. It was almost like he was a ghost. It was almost like he was like uh Bruce Willis's character from the sixth sense where like, Jeez, yeah, where like nobody really noticed that he was there or Bonnie didn't really notice that he was there. Kind of like the wife. That's from, a good way of putting it. Yeah. Actually, that's not, that's pretty good actually. Yeah. But, um, but he was kind of pulling the strings and trying to help this fork forky come to a level of understanding about his existence. It's trash. Yeah. He's like trash. He's like, no toy trash and he's like trying to run through the trash the whole time and uh, he eventually kind of embraces the idea of being a toy and um and like just the whole relationship with both people i thought was tremendously interesting yeah both um, people got some cake in this film huh yeah yeah <laughs> so um they you know kind of told both people's story how she's kind of like this renegade you know she's like free toy i'm a free toy that no you know don't need a purpose from a child because i find my own and do it does her own thing lives her own life you know travels the world or whatever travels the areas or whatever and um that's good stuff, man. Um, those fucking <laughs> those ventriloquist dummies are terrifying. Fucking terrifying. They scared me. There was like three legitimately jump scared moments in this movie. The first one was when Forky first came alive. I jumped out of my seat, bro. <laughs> that, that shit fucking scared the shit out of me. And then um, when the, one of the ventriloquist, ventriloquist dummies like fell out of the sky, oh, god, and good like. Stuff. And they don't have any like support because they're so used to having somebody's hand up their ass. So they were like, like all floppy and intimidating. And would you rate the movie? Mm. How do we rate movies again? A F. Yeah. Um, it's an A. It's an A. It's yeah, an I think a. I gave it a B plus for me. Yeah. Did you cry? Yeah. I didn't cry. The the ending got me real good. I, I think I was the only one in the theater that didn't cry, and I felt like an asshole. Well, I mean, it's it's fair enough. Um. To me, um, did you cry after at the end of, at the end of three? No. Oh, okay, so you just you just don't feel it then. Yeah, uh, I, you know I haven't really felt much since my hamster died. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, that whole when he handed the badge to Jesse, that was like such a nice moment. Like he handed the sheriff yeah. badge to her. Where, where do you rank it amongst the Toy Stories? Um, three, four, one, two. Mm, three, no. one, four, two. Probably three. I don't even. I I I think it. I think it might be at the bottom. Okay. But when you're ranking great movies, it doesn't really. Don't matter. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Because they're not bad movies. You just have a favorite. Yeah. Because um, all like there's not a bad Toy Story movie. It just doesn't exist. All of them are great in their own right, and they all bring different things to the table. But um, 
as far what I think a more interesting question for me to be would be where does it fall in the Pixar lineup, like all the Pixar movies? Yeah. But that's something I would have to actually have to look at and dissect. Cool, cool, so, cool. Um, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. It, it made me it made me cry, and I think um, at this point I could say that they shouldn't do it anymore. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think with the way that they're, they've all kind of went about their separate ways and uh, Woody's not part of the gang, which is really upsetting to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? How are you going to have a Toy Story without Woody? Yeah. And um, I mean, I think they could still do shorts and stuff like that, but I don't I don't. Wouldn't I don't, be the same. Yeah. I, I really don't want a full-blown story unless there's like a really good reason. But I have a hard time kind of finding a reason to have them all kind of reunite and kind of be... Unrealistic. Sure. Now we could finally have Tom Hanks as Darth Vader since he's not tied up with Toy Story. Yeah, that's that, that, that's what was keeping him away. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And um, if you're a fan of the franchise, see it. Me and my wife loved it. We had a good hey, time. maybe they'll come out with a cool box set now that they're done, quote unquote. Yeah, I think that. I, I th- honestly, I think this, this a nice is toy box box set. Yeah, that'd be cool. Do you know they sell a Forky for like thirty bucks? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I, I looked on Target. I'm like, let me see, because I want to do Kaboom like really fucking bad. Kaboom was great. Yeah, Kaboom was fucking fantastic. I love him, um, but they're selling him for like fifteen or twenty. Like, like, like almost looks like a McDonald's toy almost. And um, Forky was like an action figure for like thirty bucks. I'm like, I can make a Forky what the for fuck? like thirty cents. Yeah, what the fuck are you doing? But yeah, so I enjoyed the movie, and um, I'm sad and happy to see it end. Bittersweet yep. ending to the series. Good stuff. So I also saw a movie last night in a very different vein. <laughs> uh, I saw Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I was getting my hair cut yesterday, and the barber lady was like, oh, blah, 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 because she's like a movie person. We were talking about the Tarantinos and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then she was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go see Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And I was like, oh, shit, that came out. So me and Manny went to go see it. Holy shit, is this movie terrifying? <laughs> this movie does not fuck around one bit. And I, t- I texted you this the other day, but dude, I think I came out of that theater like two shades paler. It really? is genuinely terrifying in every sense of the word. First of all, it's a it's rated PG-13, which really kind of blew my socks off where I was like, wow, I can't even remember the last time a PG-13 movie scared me this well. Was Sinister PG-13? No, no that was rated R, right? When was the last time a PG-13 movie scared you? Like genuinely scared you. Oh man, because um, I couldn't think of one, man. I think this might be the first PG thirteen horror movie. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Now you have this weird kind of anomaly. Oh man. I can't even tell you. If the, yeah, I can't even tell you for PG. There you go, man. Um, first of all, if you're if you've read the books in your youth, don't go in this movie expecting that every one of them is going to come true. There's six, uh, quote unquote seven. So there's seven if you're counting one little thing that happens. But they go through seven of the kind of bigger stories and how it unravels. Uh, I want to touch on, we kind of said that it was an interesting way that they're intertwining all these stories because they're, you know, they're separate short stories. I thought that worked really well. Okay. These characters are likable, they're believable, and they work in this kind of weird abstract where we need something to, to connect everyone. Okay. And it works actually pretty damn well. Hmm. The monsters. Um, we need Guillermo del Toro doing nothing but horror movies till the day he retires. These were terrifying, they were interesting, they were grotesque, and they were nightmare fuel. I think that's the best way I could put it. Okay. It, they were so well done. And, oh, man, it was just fucking terrifying, some of these things. But you, you got to sit down and watch it, man. Interesting. Because this movie was, it was a good movie. I really do enjoy it. And then on top of that, they made a fucking great horror movie without... A shitload of jump scares without 
overuse of blood, without guts, Gore. without... It's a genuinely terrifying film. And some of these moments in the film are like different flavors of horror. So it's that horror... There's a scene where it's this horror where you, you see the monster, but they're not going to jump out or scream at you. It's just that monster's getting closer. And every time our character looks down the hall, they're closer and closer and closer. Uh. And then he goes to a different... like section of the hallway and there every way he looks the monster is there at the end of the hall every single time being closer and so it's not a matter uh, of is it gonna get you it's a matter of when when i had nightmares about that type of stuff yeah um that oh yeah brutal man <laughs> Fucking br- i don't want to give away too much because okay. i do think you should see something like this in theaters i'm, I'm gonna try it no it is properly good and then i want to touch a little bit on something because well when you think horror movies you think halloween right yeah um, I think this is a good kickoff to the horror season that we're going to have this year because it's August. Yeah. But the times are starting to change. Well, we- I, I think it's cool for the, I think it's okay for the following reason because it's a horror movie for children. Let's say, yeah, don't bring your kid to this. <laughs> no, I'm saying, but that's what it's meant to do. Right. It's meant to be horror movie for kids. Kids are still out of school. You know, summer, you know, is still going. Sure. So this is a good, like you said, a kind of a good start. Uh, to the to the horror the Halloween season or to the the fall season because kids are still out there and they're gonna go to see this movie because it's awesome it has the nostalgia obviously people like you and me will go see it too um, I think it's it's a good an appropriate time for this particular horror film to uh, to come out and I'm okay with that uh, I'm interested in this man and I, I know I I brought this up on the last several podcasts when it comes to like things that we've been talking about for a long extended period of time, finally coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them, you know, we've talked about that when we were doing the show in Adam's house for crying out loud. You know what I mean? Like I'm kind of glad to see all these stories finally have a nice little cap, little cap to the end. Yeah. Of it. Uh, seriously though, check it out. It was worth every single penny. And, uh, man, I'm, ooh, that was a, that <laughs> do you ever, <laughs> do you ever talked about, talk to Maddie at, after we do the podcast about what her and Adriana talk about, you know, you know, essentially they talk about the same things that we talk about when yeah, we just from different perspectives. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we should probably, we should mic up that room one time and see how it would, how it works <laughs> out and see if they get in front of their own podcast. I think that'd be kind of interesting, but uh, yeah, I have something that I'm, I'm interested in. I want to check out coming down the pipeline for yeah. sure. Cause I'm chipping off things that I wanted to see, right? There's, I'm starting to knock them down slowly. I re-upped my stubs card finally. Nice. So I'm like, all right, I'm like, this is a commitment. I'm going to try to see more movies this year. Uh, Elisana's getting a little bit older. She's not a handful anymore, so maybe... Oh, man. There was a point in that movie where everything went kind of quiet, and the movie's still rolling, and, and you know, the whole audience is silence, and you hear, Mommy! <laughs> Who brings their little girl to see this? I was terrified, and I'm a grown-ass man. <laughs> I like that. That's funny. That's a good story. But uh, So, yeah. So, uh, how would you rate it? Ooh, man, I got to give it like that A minus tier, man. It Ooh, was really good. Okay, it was okay. proper. And I, like I said, they don't abuse these stupid horror movie tropes. It's terrifying. I think it'll cover like 90% of your terrifying flavors out there That's and cool. your kind of horror flavors. Because not everything is a jump scare. Not everything is this kind of blood and guts wrenching thing. Not everything is a complicated story. It's just horror boiled down into what makes it scary. And I think if you're afraid of something, this movie will bring it up. Okay. That's cool. I like that. All right. So let's talk some gaming. Let's talk some gaming. So I put this at the top of the agenda because obviously. <sighs> yeah, we got to talk about this. because yeah. We cover a lot of gaming on this podcast. Yeah. And uh, we've had a, a multiple shootings 
in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I know me and Gabe, generally speaking, stray away from these type of topics because you're not a political podcast. We are not a political podcast. We are a gaming podcast. Yeah. And this has brought up the age old tales that uh, violence in video games causes people to do stupid things. And I've, uh, I'm going to preface this by saying, and I've talked about it many a times on the podcast, that I've been playing violent video games my whole entire life. I've been listening to violent music my whole entire life. Never once have I felt compelled to kill somebody. Okay. Um, <laughs> and just this whole thing where people, you know, from, let's say, less educated states, uh, senators trying to blame violent video games on, you know, for these violent acts, I think is uh, hysterical. Because I play a lot of Madden, too. Does that mean I could be a quarterback? No. Maybe a quarter pounder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why we use windscreens. Not like we pick. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe a quarter pounder, maybe. But, um, you know, I play a lot of baseball games. Does that mean I could throw a fucking circle change that breaks fucking? No. Um, those things, these things are not equal. And I just felt the need to bring it up because it upsets me that people are trying to impede on my right to play violent video games. And um, I just find it hysterical because I saw an article that, that coincided with this where a Walmart has decided to stop yep. displaying violent video games. But, Meanwhile, that same Walmart is still selling guns. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's tremendously um, ironic. Ironic. Funny. Unfortunate. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. <laughs> All those things are. Welcome to 2019, my friend. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't want to get too deep into this because we're not a political podcast. And I think there's no kind of merit to the point that they're making or trying to make here. But if you really didn't want your kids playing violent video games, look at the fucking ESRB rating. The M rating is on there for a reason. Yeah. And they list everything out on the back. And I know I'm becoming the parent that I told myself I wasn't going to become, right? Yeah. But. Really, if it was that big of a deal, look at the ESRB rating. That's why it was created, right? That's why yeah. ESRB was created because... Also Ed Boon. Well, but yeah. Yeah. Because people felt games were going too far, and they might have been right to a certain extent. I think something like the ESRB was necessary, and that's why they created it. I mean, it's a matter of a quick glance yeah. on the box. It's the front first thing you see on and the box. And if you want to know what else is on there, you flip it around, and it'll tell you exactly what's in there. Yeah. Um you, I'm sorry, you can't tell me because this the person who did or people who did these violent things are adults. You cannot tell me that an adult uh, is that impressionable. You can't. You know what I mean? Like, again, I've been playing these things my whole entire life. I've never once been compelled to kill somebody. So, where's yeah. the line? Uh, pack it up. I think this topic's wrapped, and I think we said we all all we need to say. Yeah, because it's ridiculous at the end of it. Like, what are you gonna? Add in addition, you know, yeah, like you don't want to spread the wildfire. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, so um, I remember how I said a Walmart was given kind of uh, discounts on games on the day of drop. So I I have a shitload of fucking Best Buy points out of the blue. They're like, hey, you have like seventy five dollars in Best Buy points. Holy shit! And so I'm like. Oh fuck! <laughs> those, don't those expire too? Yeah. So where'd you get them from? Uh, they were just kind of racking up, and then I, my dad bought a new phone, so I was like, "Hey, let me put it on my Best Buy card. You could just give me cash for it." And so yeah, so uh. I just been kind of accruing all these points, and I was like, "Fuck, I gotta spend it on something." So for certain more mainstream titles, how Best often do you go to Best Buy? <laughs> not as, well, I have the credit card, so I'll so put like I. gas on there and stuff. And well, if you know how to use a credit card, you're gonna take advantage of the stuff, right? 
Anyway, the point I'm getting at here is that for certain mainstream titles, Best Buy is offering a $10 e-certificate if you pre-order with them. Interesting, huh? And I looked at it, and I uh, so I pre-ordered uh, the new Yu-Gi-Oh game coming out because I want to get back into the TCG thing because I do miss the format. I don't miss buying the packs and this and that, whatever, right? But they gave me 10 bucks off. No, pre- no pre-orders, Gabe. Well, this is a game that's really going to be... Th- there's no super shady practices yeah you're right no pre-orders but i got 10 bucks off so whatever <laughs> it came out to like 30 bucks whatever it wasn't even a full price game no pre-orders game but uh no, that being said what do you think man i think some of these companies like walmart and now best buy has thrown their hat in the ring well best buy was like my shit because they had the gamers club and the gamers club was like grade a awesome because you pay for your membership of the gamers club and every game you get would become at a discounted rate like 10 bucks off which is awesome um, and you pay maybe a hundred bucks a year or something like that. And if you're buying a handful of games throughout the year, it's worth it. You get discount on accessories and all those things. And it's fucking worth it to me. But unfortunately they got rid of that. Cause of course they did. Um, yeah, man, I, I'm glad. I mean, cause I think everybody kind of sees the writing on the wall with the GameStop kind of coming, coming and going and kind of dying. I think somebody's going to try to step up and be that new. Well, if you're a gamer, game retailer, come, come here and you know, those type of things and all that. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I'm with it. I like Best Buy and Best Buy has never been particularly shitty to me. Yeah. They've never been terrible to me. I've, yeah. I've had some things where it was like, oh, okay. But yeah. nothing like, like spit in your face kind of bad. Yeah. I mean, Walmart's been kind of shitty a couple times. I mean, that's to be expected. Target man. to a lesser extent, but, um, yeah, never get, Best Buy never, never been particularly shitty, shitty to me. So I don't, I'm not mad at them. I'm not mad at them. I remember, and this is a uh, part of the dealio, uh, I remember every year for my birthday, I, we'd always go to the Olive Garden in Burbank, mm-hmm. and I would always go there for one reason. Because Best Buy was across Best the street. Best Buy was across the street, and I was going to get my new, myself a new game every single year. Nice. Up until Unlimited like, breadsticks and a new game? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Now yeah. that's a birthday. I'm all over it. I remember my... What is the... Okay. I'm, I'm going to toss this out. What is the best birthday gift you've given to yourself? So maybe like you go to like a, like a situation like that where maybe you and your family would go out, and they'd be like, okay, you can go to Toys R Us and pick out a toy. Or something like that. Technically, they bought it for you, but you picked it out. What is the best gift that you could think of? Yeah, I don't know. Offhand. Off the top of my head. I really don't know, man. I really don't know. The one year, I was telling my buddies, I really like this. Uh, Nixon did a crossover with Star Wars and did a really cool Boba Fett watch. Mm-hmm. And it was like $500. And I was like, I'm not going to fucking get it for myself because I don't have that kind of money. And so everybody pitched in and got me that. That was nice of them. Yeah, but I... I don't want to say it was something I picked out, but it was definitely something I kind of set in motion for them. Okay. If that makes sense. So yeah. I think that one would probably inspired them to do. Yeah. Uh, for me, cause again, just really relaying it to what I just said. Uh, I bought, or I was had, I had Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks bought for me on my birthday that year. Yeah, it's going to be hard to top that yeah. one. <laughs> Unless they come out with an HD remake that you can yeah. make Adriana buy you. Yeah. Um, I went home and played it like immediately. I was like giddy. Giddy, giddy, giddy about it. <laughs> and that was before I could buy myself my own, uh, you know, my true games and all that. So uh, it was awesome. I remember the first time that I went to a fucking uh, GameStop and I bought myself my own mature game. I'm like, yeah, here's my ID, <laughs> cocksucker. ID me. And then nobody ever IDs yeah. you ever again. Yeah. It's like, damn it. I remember uh, what did we go? We went to the Sox game. And they didn't. I they didn't card me. I'm like, do I look that fucking old? I mean, I guess I It'd do. It'd be like that now. Yeah. Fuck. They really man. do, man. Fuck. It, 
It, you know it's bad when the people at Jewel don't ID you. When they have the little thing where it's like, we ID anybody under 40. Yeah. Like, oh, man, y'all just insulted me now. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Best Buy pre-orders. Check this out. It's not for every single pre-order out there, but it is for some of the more mainline titles. Like, Pokemon has the $10 off. So I might just hop in and get the new Pokemon game that's coming out in November. Because I've been off that wagon for a while, and I kind of miss it. I, the thing about me and Pokemon is that I feel like all the new ones have, like, off-the-wall names because they're running out of names. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Because, like, you're not going to beat, like, Charizard as an example. Like, it's like it's the so... The Charlizard. Yeah, it's so what it is. And now it's, like, Polynufanufanumicon or whatever the fuck is. Some it's a new f- metalcore band. Yeah, sure. Anyway, moving on. Uh, So, Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo are all kind of pushing for loot box odds disclosures. Yep. From these big games, like, from EA and Blizzard and... All that stuff. Um, <laughs> so first of all, I want to throw these guys out there. Um, Surprised you didn't throw Activision's name in there. Yeah, Activision, right? But I want to throw uh, the developers from Smite behind there. Uh, what studio is it? Res? Res. High Res. High Res Studio. I always forget. I'm sorry, guys. At High Res. We love yeah. you. Yeah. How many Sometimes hours have you been playing Smite in your life? Probably. <laughs> not recent. Not yeah. anytime recently, but I think I have 100 hours in Smite, maybe. Yeah, probably. Um, anyway, they do it off the bat. So they've just kind of been doing this. And uh, now your big three are saying everybody has to do this. Or they're pushing for it, at least. That's the morally correct choice for these game developers to because do that. Because if you have odds, right? Because, I mean, you, you can even find odds at any casino game you play. But if you don't have odds in a loot box system, you know, what are your chances? Would you be less inclined to buy something if it showed you that you have a 1 in 600 chance of getting that item? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I'd be hella discouraged. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Yeah, I remember um, when Advanced Warfare came out and, like, or even to a a bigger extent, um, the CSGO cases where people are just fucking spending money, absurd amount of money. Well, here's the thing with CSGO. You can make your money back. Yeah, that's true. You could make your money back tenfold because mm-hmm. if you pull something rare, some crazy ass camo, sell it, sell it, and now you've made money. Well, yeah, but that's kind of gross too. I mean, it doesn't make it. Any yeah, gross th- and me. that's its own kind of economic uh, CS:GO problem. Yeah, right. But that's a whole different story. That Diablo have its own economics, blah blah. blah. Um, what do you think of this move, man? Uh, like I said, I think it was the ethical choice to make for these guys. It's to, a step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, because it's getting out of hand. Let's be real. It's getting completely out of hand. Um, we're starting to lose control of these things, you know. And um, you pay for thirty percent of the game, and everything else isn't even DLC now. It's all microtransactions. Yeah. So sometimes gross. you'll get a chunk of DLC. Other times you won't get shit. Yeah. Um, or even worse, you'll get a duplicate of the same piece of DLC you got last week. And get digital currency that you can't even trade back for. Um, Welcome to twenty nineteen, folks. Yeah. Um, I feel like every week is a new thing um, from these. Loot from box, these, from yeah, these from, shitheads from these fucking guys. It's but. it's real unfortunate, but like I said, I do think that the, we're we're making strides towards setting some sort of precedent and setting some sort of standard that says, hey, if you want to fucking do this, you need to follow A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. You know what? A, a thing that I was thinking about the other day, because obviously EA being kind of the spearheading the whole loot box thing and taking advantage of people like that. I remember back in the day when I would play Madden, you can create your own team just as a feature in the game. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to play against your friend, you can do that. No problem. But now they have found a way to take that break and it up it. and sell every individual player. Like you could pick players from any team that you want. Get your own. Hey, here's a hot idea. In order to buy loot boxes, you got to register your PSN account or Xbox account, whatever the fuck it is with a valid driver's license or state ID. Oh uh, yeah. 
So they know you're of age. Yeah, this is true. Oh, now that's a hot take. Yeah, that's cool. I'm not with that. I'm with that. I think that'll work. Now that's a hot take. Because figure you what if you're 18, you're working for your money. Oh, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. So you know the value of a dollar. This is true. Yeah, man. How many hours of shitty retail you gotta work to buy ten loot boxes? Twenty. If it's any more than one, <laughs> it's not worth it. Yeah. This is true. It's, but yeah. Yeah. Oh man, so that's some hot takes. Yeah, but some egregious. I feel like we've been talking about loot boxes for like the past six weeks now. That's what I'm saying, man. Every week is fucking something new. But so, but whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I want to present this because this is the much anticipated two years too late, but I'm still looking forward to review Gabe's review of Breath of the Wild. Gabe, how'd it go? (laughs) Okay, let's talk. So you're absolutely right. This is two years too late, and um. I finished it. I finished it on Friday night. Um, I spent 50 hours kind of meandering about. I don't want to make that sound like a bad thing. I spent 50 hours exploring the land of Hyrule through the various regions, fighting a variety of monsters and enemies, completing tasks, side quests, exploring the highest of mountains, uh, sailing the fucking seas, and just doing whatever the fuck I wanted. First and foremost. Five out of ten. (laughs) No, not by any means. No, Um, no, I'm just fucking with you. I, I sent you a message that said, this is in my top three yeah, of games of all time. Well, first I had to figure out what the fuck you were talking about. Then, I, then once you yeah. told me, explain to me. So <laughs> I, I want to kind of start off by saying the Legend of Zelda series is fucking awesome. And I think if you've never hopped on or if you've never been committed, I think this might be the perfect kind of place to start off on. Because the Switch is readily accessible. You have two versions you could buy. And then you have the new revamped version with the better battery that they just dropped. They just dropped recently. But um, getting back to The Legend of Zelda, right? I've never played such a game that opens you, w- that welcomes you with open arms on such a scale where it's do whatever the fuck you want. You want to climb some mountains? Go climb some mountains. You want to explore? You want to glide around? You want to fight some dudes that you don't have the armor and resources for? You want to get tubbished? You want to blah, blah, blah? You want to this and that? You want to find some secret chests? You want to find some shit that's like way overpowered and you're probably never going to find again? You want to do the, the, the. And it just says. Go for it. Here's your hour-long tutorial of the basics of this game. And then do whatever the fuck you want. You have you know, you find the regions throughout the map. And how that works is that there's a tower in the map, this big, glowing, flucking blue tower. And when you climb to the top of it, you put your Sheikah Slate in there, which is like your companion thing. And um, it'll, it'll unlock the region map for you. And then from there, you find all these shrines. And when you get four shrine tokens, you get another heart or some more stamina. And blah, 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 and this and that, and this and that. And I think the beauty of it is that it, it's there for everybody. Like, you're a casual Legend of Zelda fan, right? Like, we could have a Legend of Zelda talk, but if we wanted to do, a, like, a deep dive into the lore, we'd have some trouble, and we'd have to go, you know, do, do our research. But it's just so, like I said, man, it's so welcoming. It says, yeah, come in and explore. Come in and have some fun. Um, and it's just that, man. It's just the beauty of you're not bound down to doing one thing. I I touched on the main quest uh, when I first started the game, and then I left it alone for, I think, like 25 hours. I was like, fuck that. I'm going to go explore. I'm going to find this. I'm going to find that. And I went, and I looked, and I and I enjoyed. And that is the main attraction of this game. Mm-hmm. What else do I want to cover? The uh, combat system is really interesting. So it's resource-based, right? And there's really one item that never breaks, which is your Master Sword. And you don't even get it till right before you finish the game. You got to get like 80% of the way through the game before you actually get it. Or to a certain point, right? That's gonna, bullshit. I'm not going to ruin it. But I think um, <laughs> oh, oh, it's something you got to work towards. Okay. And it makes sense. And so throughout the whole game, when you fight people with weapons and this and that, your weapons degrade and they eventually break. 
So now you have to have this constant onslaught of or a steady stream of hey i need new weapons hey i need this hey, i need that i need a replacement for this blah, blah blah maybe you find something even stronger and you'll cherish that or maybe you'll find something weaker and now you got to deal with it and it's really kind of intuitive man i don't want to say it's like the first time we've ever seen this but i think it was implemented in such a manner where it keeps telling you go out there and find new shit because if you stagnate for too long you're going to degrade i think that is awesome. Okay. Visuals. You've seen this game. It's stunning. Yeah, looks good. Um, I haven't had any major kind of issues with it on the Switch, probably because it was built for the Switch. Yay. True. Um, so there's four major bosses. All of them were fun. All of them were, uh, I don't want to say puzzle-based, but in order to get to the boss, you had to solve a shitload of puzzles. All four of those sets of puzzles were great. They were interactive, and so you were on this divine beast thing. One of them was like an eagle, and how the puzzle worked was that it's this whole labyrinth inside the eagle, and you could tilt the eagle 45 degrees that way, 45 degrees that way. And when you tilt it one way, doors open, things close, balls roll, and you need to solve these puzzles inside of the eagle and then tilt it back, and then you got to hit all these things in the eagle, and then finally when you hit all of them, the boss pops up, and you got to fuck them up. Hmm. And it's just so it, it invests you from the moment you get the glider to the moment you finish the game, you're invested in it. And I said that this, if we're looking objectively, is probably the best game I've played in the past decade. Okay. Subjectively, it's at number three. But if we're looking objectively, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think anything has come close for So what is it then? What's your top three? Well, Knights of the Old Republic. Okay. Jet Set Radio. Okay. And here's the thing with those two, because I said objectively, right? Those two games have flaws. They have their flaws, and they're kind of prominent. So one of these didn't age well. The other one has a lot of fatal mechanic issues, stuff like that. Breath of the Wild's pretty well balanced, man. I'm not going to say it's perfect. It's by no means a perfect game, but I think it was the perfect game for me. Okay. And I think that if you own a Nintendo Switch and you do not own a copy of Breath of the Wild... You need to go out there and get one because this game is phenomenal. And you they are, did a great job. You are doing yourself a disservice by not having Breath of the Wild if you're a Switch user. Yeah. So when you eventually get one, get yourself a copy. Copy that. Because you're going to get loused. All right. Okay. Well, there you go. That's done. Gabe did it. He finally made it through, guys. Yeah. So what are you going to do next? What's your, what's next on your agenda on the Switch? Uh, Well, the Yu-Gi-Oh game comes out in like a week. So oh, okay. I think I might just hold down on Tetris 99 for a bit. How's that? It's great, man. It's free. That's the best part yeah. of it. It's so R E E. Here's the thing: once you get because it's Battle Royale Tetris, and once you get past the first fifty players that get knocked out, the music speeds up and the tempo is faster. And I tell Maddie every time I get there, I was like, I'm having like legit like heart rate jumps. <laughs> like I could just feel myself hey. tensing up when the music gets faster. It's doing his job, man. Can't be mad about it. Don't fuck around. You cannot fuck around. All right. So that was it. So. I got two things on the Versus agenda this week. And now, the Versus is a game that we used to play. It may be known as this or that because I think we called it that for a little bit too. But Versus is basically I bring two things to the table and we talk about which, game, which one we prefer and why. Now, we could agree. We could disagree. We don't know. But uh, I brought two, okay? And I want your general opinion on it because, you know, it's a philosophy thing. So, we're going to do right now is the EPs, the Battle of the EPs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Both Devil Wear Prada <laughs> themed EPs. Okay. Okay. Now I'm not saying which one you prefer. I'm saying which one do you think is objectively better? Filled the objective of telling the story that they were trying to tell. Ooh. Go. The goal is to identify which 
told the story better. Yeah. Okay. Well, first we got to look at the issue that the Zombies EP tells one grand story. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually, fun fact, on our Zombies episode of the other podcast, we did a breakdown of your typical yeah, zombie shut story. Shut out that full name for that damn podcast. The Exploration Podcast. Go. Keep the lore in exploration. It's yeah. purposely misspelled for that. But um, the Zombies EP was one of the things I kind of looked at, and I said, well, shit, if we break down a zombie movie by these steps, the zombie EP follows it perfectly. Yep. And that was kind of my model of inspiration. So I think the first big thing is Zombies EP tells one story. The Space EP is five different stories that loosely intertwine. Mm-hmm. And we haven't gotten confirmation from Mike Kainitza yet, so I guess we're still on the fence about that. Yeah. Um, production values, uh, one is a lot rougher and it fits the theme, and the other one is a lot cleaner and spacier and it fits the theme. The theme yeah. Um, I think if we're looking specifically at the story, I think the Zombies story does it much better than the space EP because the space EP has this kind of beautiful kind of wrap up with uh, asteroid and it sets you full force into an homage to Ridley Scott's alien, this and that. And they do a lot of cool kind of hat tips here and there, mm-hmm. but you don't get a continuation and you don't get um, character development. You don't, yeah. Cause you get character development in zombies EP, <laughs> but, uh, but you know what I'm saying? You don't okay. get closure and the closure you do get is, worldwide yeah you know why am i supposed to care whereas in zombies you follow the same set of characters through to the end and if you bought the record copy you got a comic book with that Mm -hmm. and it was the guys the survivors are the dudes in devil wars prada yeah did i tell you how that ends by the way no so the whole point of that mission is to upload some crazy piece of information to the internet so the last like remaining people around the earth can get it. And so the comic book follows the Devil Wars Prada band members through it. And then at the end, you want to know what they fucking upload? Right. This goddamn EP. <laughs> <laughs> Bastards. They would. Thanks, Self- guys. Self-indulging as fuck. <laughs> anyway. So what's your opinion on that? All right. Um, Man, shit. Um. He's thinking. Because if you ask me which one I prefer, I'd prefer space. Sure. However, I'm, I'm going to have to go with you on that one. As far as telling the story, because, I mean, because like you said, you could kind of piece together a story with what they give you in um, space the space EP. But yeah. you have to do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You could talk about Elizabeth, which is the girl, and how she kind of wanted to do these things. But, you know, that was like the first story. And then the asteroid at the end where it hits the Earth, and it's kind of the end of all things. But that's okay, kind of a situation. Well, you go through kind of the walk, the the all emotions that you get when the zombie EP zombie apocalypse is going to happen because it is going to happen. Um, <laughs> you kind of go through all those things and kind of the fight of it all. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I would have to. I would have to agree. With you I mean, because you know, if we look at it, there's a lot of ways to look at it, and I think a lot of the times it depends on my mood. Yeah. Because one times I'll sometimes I'll want to kick down some drywall and I'll be like zombies EP, let's go. Yeah. And other times I'll I want to kind of relax and listen to something a lot cleaner in production a lot more creative and yeah. a lot of cool shit intertwined with it and i'll go space ep yeah but story-wise i think zombies does it man okay excellent 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 so yeah they got to go upload their ep yeah god damn it <laughs> i you know i read that with like page to page i was just glued to it yeah and at the last page i was like are you fucking serious <laughs> they had to upload their own ep that's fucking like, sick. hey guys i know everybody's dying right now but check this shit out it's so rad <laughs> we gotta break down your power as a bullet oh man that's so good all right so i got another one which one, which one of these movies in this franchise, story franchise, best breaks down James Bond as a character 
like reason, his philosophy, how he thinks. Is it Casino Royale or Spyfall? Skyfall. Skyfall does? Skyfall, Skyfall does? are you kidding me? It takes James. It takes everything you known and loved about James Bond, everything you're expected to know, everything that here are my standards for James Bond, and it breaks that. It breaks it down, tears down these fucking walls, and it shows Bond at his weakest point. The whole end fight was at Bond's old childhood house. And if you don't see the metaphors there at uh, What's-Her-Face literally destroying who Bond is at his core by attacking his childhood memories, I think you misunderstood the movie. Okay, fair enough. Fair Casino enough. Royale did a good job of setup. It did a phenomenal job of setup. Skyfall is a literal deconstruction of everything that is James Bond. Mm -hmm. okay. And I don't think any movie's done it as well as Skyfall, if we're looking at that aspect. Okay. Cool. What'd you think? I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you set me up for... Yeah. So, um, I mean, I just wanted to see where you stand now. Cool. But... All right. Let's get into music, because we got two albums and some extra goodies. Well, three albums, actually. <sighs> Breathe heavily. All right. All right. Bad Omens. Let's get through this. Bad Omens album was good. It was a stray from the kind of metalcore-esque formula they placed there. They took some heavy inspiration from... Bands like Bring Me the Horizon, Sun Paternal, and I like that. And they took the same approach, the plot and you did. However, the Situation student is very different because the plot and you was mediocre metalcore, whereas these guys did some pretty fucking good metalcore, and it felt like Sun Paternal Part 2. This one takes the dispose approach that the plot and you took. It's a lot more atmospheric. It's a lot bigger. It's this and that. It's kind of orchestrated, if that makes sense. And they do some weird vibey stuff in there that I like. However... I don't know if this album will make my top five. It is a good album and is a good sophomore album from Bad Omens. Is it sophomore? Sophomore. Sophomore album. I think it's a good album from them. However, it's missing something. I can't just put I can't put a finger on it, man. It's missing something. Okay. That's my review. I think the album is a solid seven. A very good seven. And I think it's there. And I think if you need something to jam to while you're waiting for your next big release, this is a good choice. All right, so. Uh, I'm going to try to rapid-fire my review like you just eloquently did. So, uh, this album is a sophomore album in the sense that it does not quite capture my attention quite like the first one. Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily their fault because Jacob's growing up after a little bit. I think if I would listen to this album when I was 14, I would fucking love it. Sure. But the thing about this is that I can't tell which album they actually wanted to make because there's two different sounds that they are going for. There was that over the top aggressive sound that they have on some songs. And then there was this weird experimental kind of a vibe on some of the songs. And I'm not even saying those are bad. I'm saying that I feel like they wanted to make one particular album. And the other half is like, well, we got to make these albums because this is what people are expecting. I don't know which one is which I don't, I can't tell which one they actually wanted to make. There are no tracks to me that stand out particularly, but there's no ones that are actually bad either. Uh, to me, it is a sophomore album in the sense it's probably continuing where it left off and it doesn't really bring anything new to the table either. Um, to me, it's a six. It's a six. I think they're trying to capitalize on what they did so well in the first album that they maybe didn't know in which way to grow mm -hmm. their sound. Mm -hmm. Because we've seen from bands that they take inspiration from, like Bring the Horizon, they've grown. Every yeah. single album I say, it's Slipknot and Bring the Horizon. Every new album, everybody's worried. <laughs> but we'll get into the Slipknot one in a bit yeah, and why we'll, we're not worried. We'll get there. Yeah. But I think it was a solid attempt. I am not as invested in Bad Omens as I once was. Yeah. Um. And now I guess we got to wait for the other two in our trifecta, huh? I, I think Northern they, Ghost. I and, think uh, they, yeah, I think they kind of climbed down the ladder, so to speak. That's fine, man. They attempt. still got a whole career ahead of them, and one bad album does not make a bad artist. True. So uh, I threw this on here because I thought it was super interesting. Um, Do you remember <laughs> watching Codename Kids Next Door? 
Do you remember yeah. that cartoon? I do. Um, so Codename I, actually I, let's let's not brush over that. It was a fucking fantastic cartoon. No, it was go an ahead. excellent cartoon. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So they had these things that they dubbed like uh, art expositions, where they would kind of take um, inspiration from other styles of animation and other sources, and they would incorporate it. Then the Codename Kids Next Door. They had like an anime one. They had like a Gundam infused one. And the big one I remember was Food Fight. Do you remember the Food Fight yeah. one? Where it was 11 minutes of sheer fucking chaos with yeah. that pounding metal track behind yeah. it. You want to know who did that? Guar. No, they did Guar not. did that You're track. You're a liar. No, look it up. They did that fucking track. Guar did that 11 minutes of sheer food fight chaos no, music. No, they did They not. did. You know, it's like this. Wow, that's awesome. That's actually. crazy, that's right? It's kind, of, kind of dope. I'm not going to lie. It's almost as <laughs> What dope. are you known for? Intergalactic rights. And that one song, <laughs> we're codenamed Kids Next Door. That's almost as dope as fucking the Pantera on the SpongeBob episode. That, was, that was pretty fucking metal, Bruh. dude. Nicktoons, or, well, Nickelodeon in that sense did something right, and Cartoon Network did yeah. a lot of things right back in the day. <laughs> but yeah, that kind of came across. Uh, Nerdstalgic did a whole, he does a whole series of videos on classic stuff like Drake and Josh, SpongeBob, this and that, and I highly recommend his channel because it gets me through my work day, man. It really does. Nerdstalgic. Nerdstalgic. I have to look into Check that, that out, one word. And he did a whole codename Kids Next Door video, which is phenomenal by every degree and every means, and he po- he's the one that pointed it out. He said, Guar did this. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 fucking cool. Okay. Did not yeah, man. expect that Small at all. Small world, huh? All right. So let's talk about the... You want to save this one for last? We could do that. We yeah. could do that. We could do that. So um, the Degenerates Tour cool. is coming out. It has a day to remember. I prevail and Beartooth, Beartooth in that order. Don't know why. Question. Why? When was the last time you saw Beartooth open up for anyone ever? Probably not in the last three years, huh? It's been a while. Yes. Well, no. I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly when. Was when they opened up for August Burns Red. That was the last time I saw them open up for anybody. That Damn. was like probably five, six years ago at this point. But yeah, uh, they're going out of tour. I think it's interesting. Why the fuck is Prevail over Beartooth? I'll never be able to tell you. But whatever. Hey man, do what you got to do. I think the lineup works though in regards to everybody's sound and stuff. Sure. And uh, a day to remember is unfortunately playing a big fucking venue. Uh, there's this one year where they were going to Mojo's out in Juliet, yeah. and we were like, oh, yeah, we should go, but I, we ended up not going, and they haven't played anything of that size since. And yeah, I was like, fuck, no. I seriously regret not going. Yeah. Yeah, we <laughs> fucked up. Good stuff. What else we got on this junk kit? Die Art is Murder. Did you do it? Did you do what? Did you put this on here? Did I put this on here? I think you put this on here. I didn't friend. fucking. I didn't get to it, dude. I'm not you didn't get lie. to it. All right, we'll get back to Diarda's murder next week. Next week. Did you get to Crystal Lake? Yeah. So Crystal Lake. Um, this is not so much a um, like an album review. It's more of a overview. Yeah, overview of the band as a whole. So Crystal Lake is this band out of Tokyo, Japan. Um, they are doing how to explain. Um, kind of that chaotic metalcore stuff. I give the if I had to pick a comp it would be um uh what's it called uh ocean state alaska sure kind of that genre of slightly overly chaotic <laughs> metal mm-hmm. um i the reason why i checked them out is because they're on that north lane bill and i sure. wanted to take a look you know it's funny i told you to check out crystal lake and you're like yeah man they're all right and i was like yeah dude they're from japan and you're like yeah i can hear that's how they move them tiny fingers across the fretboard real good like that because it's a small <laughs> yeah shit. so uh i gave them another look and it's okay i just wanted to bring it up because uh, like I said, it's kind of in that same vein as the Ocean Alaska kind of vibe where it's kind of over the top, a little bit too much. Busy music. But I will say, I think vocally, that vocalist is way more talented than the guy from Ocean State Alaska. So I'm watching them. Yeah, man. Japan loves their hardcore music. They got a lot of up and coming hardcore bands out there and hopefully we'll get to do some reviews soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good so, stuff. Let's talk era because you've been on that era. Yeah. You've been riding that. 
Yeah. Talk to me. So Eric came out with a new single today. It's called I Have God. I Have God. I For God. You're a God. I'm a God. He, she, he, she, it is a God. Hold on. Sorry. I have God. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um, well, the first thing that caught my goddamn attention was the fucking beautiful artwork because that is gorgeous. Uh, listen to the track. It's good. It's I don't nice. know if they got a new album coming out because I think they just came out with one last year. No? Maybe just uh, like a post single. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, they came out with uh, Neon last year, which was pretty fucking good. Yeah, it was good. In retrospect. But um, yeah, I have God is out and it is a really good track with some good cleans. A uh, good step forward for the band. I know they're also on that Northland tour, which is why I'm going to go. Good stuff. Um, um, we need to see more bands step up their artwork game because I don't particularly love this era artwork that came out with a single. However, it is still very good in retrospect to what we have currently in the scene. And yeah. I'd like to see a lot more love being put into artwork because we see a lot of love put into music and the mm-hmm. production and to this and that. But sometimes it feels like artwork gets thrown to the side. Yes, sir. So uh, before we dive deep on the next review, we, I'm actually going to have two for you next week. Uh, Sudden Sky by Crown the Empire. Uh, well, actually three now. <laughs> Sudden Sky by Crown the Empire. Broken in Refraction by Sanction. And um, Human Target by Thyrda's Murder. Busy, busy, uh, busy Yeah, week. I got three, three hot reviews coming at you guys next week. But with that being said, with hot reviews... Uh, the long-awaited We Are Not Your yeah. Kind, Slipknot's sixth studio album. Yep. Oh, man. Where to start? Uh, you want to go, or should I kind of rip at it? Or? Yeah, let me let me get my... I actually took some brief notes on this sure. as I was listening to it, because I was actually listening to it with my wife awesome. last night, uh, and I'm going to talk about it. So, overall, uh, I'm just going to just throw that out there. I, I really, really, really enjoyed this album. Okay. Okay. Um, but I, so I was looking at my notes, and a lot of them seems like I'm have a negative opinion on it, which I don't know why it came up that way, knowing how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. But um, I really enjoyed this album, so we're gonna we're gonna kick off with the intro. I don't particularly care for the intro, really, in any way, shape, or form. Now, Slipknot is known for having their intros before the songs that tends to bleed into the first track, which works for me. Okay, I'm cool with an intro if it bleeds into the first track. This one doesn't really do that. Does it particularly bleed into the next track? And I think it's a little dis- disjointed with that, you know, kind of an intro to an album. I do like the vibe because it gives off that arcade kind of a feel. It's called Insert Coin, so I think that's kind let's of the point. Let's do this. Uh, let's do this thing side by side. I think it has arguably the coolest name for any Slipknot intro yeah. track. I do not like it one bit. You don't like it? I either? think it is the weakest Slipknot intro track. Yeah. Uh, I think even Prelude 3.0 was stronger than this, and ooh. that one was weird and out there and felt like some Hendrix what's, shit. What's man. the best one? Uh, off of Iowa. That one's really five good. Five one five. Yep. Yeah. I five agree. one five. Uh, they're doing that on the live set now too. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it is arguably the weakest of the Slipknot intros, and I love the name. I thought the name was so damn cool yeah. and creative. Whatever. It's forty seconds I could live with. Yeah. So um, moving on, let me just pull up the track list. We have Unsainted, which obviously was a single we talked about before. I quite enjoyed it. I think you liked it quite a bit too. Yeah, it was properly vicious. Um, next up, Birth of the Cruel. Uh, kind of a more uh, weird song in the mix, but I think it you know it does the job. Um, I think Slipknot has a variety of these type of songs on other albums, um, and this kind of fits that role. This right? is that mid-tier transition yeah. for me, where you know where your songs line up, and this is about halfway through the list where it's a solid attempt, mm-hmm. but I don't hate it by any means. Yeah, it's it's not like a standout because I have some standouts coming down the fucking line in a minute, but um, not a bad song uh, by any stretch of the imagination. So. Next up after that, Death Because of Death. Uh, and this is something that I wanted to talk about as well because weird interludes. 
I have issues with interludes on albums when they don't bring anything to the table. This one did not bring anything to the table. Uh, it didn't do anything in particular. There was really nothing special about it. Um, the album interlude because interlude. Yeah, interlude because interlude because Slipknot tends to have these too. They they on a couple of actually. The first mid-album interlude, I think this might be it. Yeah. Um, At least while Corey was in the band. I don't know if Anders did any of that before yeah. Slipknot was Slipknot. So uh, it doesn't really bring anything to the table to me. Whatever. That's yeah. another 40 seconds we can live with. Yeah, well, that's why I was breaking down because the album's 14, 14 tracks long, but in actuality, it's like... One, 12. Yeah, like 12 because uh, you know, it doesn't really need to be there. But next up, Nero Forte. This is where the album starts to pick up some huge, so, let, let's, huge let's steam. Let's talk about Nero Forte. You ever play uh, Donkey Kong Country with the bongos? Yeah. Take that shit <laughs> and wire that up to an amp and just go ape shit. Let your daughter go ape shit on those things. That's what Nero Forte feels like. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I wrote down <laughs> I wrote down volume three question mark because this was something that would be off of volume three, I feel like. Um, this, this, this is kind of, I don't know if this is what their goal was, but if their goal was to kind of bring together um, kind of like greatest hits, not so much in song type of like philosophy, I think they hit the mark on this because like I said, this is very volume three esque to me. All right. Um, and I like this song quite a bit. It's fast paced. It's, it's pretty intense and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, also on this song, I think another note that I took is Craig, is that you? Cause I think this is like the very first Slipknot album where I've made, or I have heard without like really looking and hearing, trying to hear it. Craig actually be a like a contributing member to the band. <laughs> I but Craig is that you because he actually has some very good. Well, it's no longer him. It's not Craig. Well, it might have been on the album, but he's not with Slipknot anymore. Craig is on the album. Oh, Craig Cra Owens. Yeah. I thought Chris. No, Craig Jones. You Craig keep on Durham. doing. Yeah, Craig Jones. But yeah, yeah, you're thinking about Chris. Uh, I'm like, yeah, Craig is that you? And because uh, like all his weird little keyboard things, I could actually hear for once. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not a bad thing. I just something I had to note because I was confused. Um, so near, you know, if near Forte, good album. But Critical next up, Darling. yeah, Ooh, man. Next up is Critical Darling, and to me, this is the the standout track. Take your favorite Slipknot song. Yeah, put it in a pan, simmer it over some oil, <laughs> and dump a bucket of jalapenos on that bitch because this shit is hot. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Critical Darling is probably the best track on the album, and that's not saying that. You know, anything else on this album was particularly bad, but this thing fucking brought the heat. Yeah. I was sitting buddy. there. I was like, I started to get teared up. I'm like, oh my God, Slipknot's back, guys. <sighs> what year is it? Yeah. So, um, Critical Darling, that's probably the best song on the album. Sure. This thing, this thing packs heat. I, I like this transition of these three and four songs because I do like Elias Funeral as well. Yeah. I think this is a very good block. And I think the orientation of this and the positioning were. Pretty critical yeah. to get you through most of the album. Yeah, because in the middle of this album, and this is something I wrote down too, in the middle of the album, it really picks up steam like th around this this part of the album. Uh, I, even, I even include Red Flag on that list. Yeah, I do Red, as well. Red Flag was pretty pretty hot and heavy. Um, yeah, Critical Darling is just, it, it's like the penultimate, like the masterpiece on this album because it's such a good song. Uh, Last Funeral, uh, Slipknot has done these kind of slower tracks uh, where you know it has kind of that intense kind of uh, build, mm -hmm. uh, and it, this is a good. They song do it. Too. They do it well, and yeah. this is just a testament to that writing style. Yeah, uh, they know what they're doing, and Last Funeral is a good track in that regard. Red Flag also brings the heat. Right, you just came off a curveball, and now you got a fucking uh, breaking ninety-nine mile an hour fastball coming right to your fucking head, and that's that's uh, that's Red Flag. That's uh, good stuff. All right, now 
This is where, to me, the album starts to grind to a little bit of a halt. Okay, mm, so you're getting red flags after red flag. Yeah. Uh, what's neck and spiders and orphan? They're okay. Yeah, they're all right. Spiders. Wait, hold on. There's another. There's another thing. Um. Uh, yeah. Oops. Sorry. Uh, this is where the album starts to lose me just a little bit, all right? Because I was like really fucking like paying attention real close after the, that little block, like you mentioned, all right? And this is where it starts to lose me a little bit. Spiders is an all right little track. I wasn't really feeling it in any particular way about it, whatever. I mean, like I said, Slipknot does these weird things in every single album, right? And this is one of them. Uh, Orphan, didn't feel any particular way about it. Um, and My Pain, I think My Pain was the song that had like a two-minute, like, ambient noise just for the sake of having love ambient it noise. um i don't yeah i might yeah my pain like two minutes of ambient noise on my pain i don't i don't feel any particular way about it but um i think it was a little unnecessary to have it go that long um but you know whatever yeah it whatever. slipped not they can do whatever the fuck they want yeah and uh the last two tracks not long for this world is a good song real good song and soul way Earth, which we've talked about previously. this is probably the first time i've ever commended slipknot on having such a fucking phenomenal outro song. Because what I noticed through this album, if you listen to Soul Wave Earth when it came out as a single, you heard that thing, that wee, that yeah. twang. Yeah. And this whole album sets you up for it. You hear bits and pieces. It's like leaves falling. Yeah. You know, you, you have this picture of autumn in your mind mm -hmm. and you see the, the nice uh, orange and yellow leaves falling, right? And through mm -hmm. this album, it's transitioning you through the phases of summer. And so sometimes you'll hear, you'll see a leaf fall here and a leaf fall there. Yeah. And then when you get to Soul Wave Earth, you are balls deep into October and you see it all on the ground. Okay. And I could not get, I don't know what that sound is. I don't know how they do it, but this whole album, you hear that, that little twang that, yeah. And you hear it full force <laughs> <Get> it again on, <laughs> on Solway Firth. You hear it full fucking force yeah. on there. And I thought that was awesome. And I think to have me sing praise about Slipknot's outro song, which usually doesn't fucking matter by the time you get there. Right. Uh, I don't know. ER was the first one. ER was the first closing song. What was the closing song off of uh, All Hope Is Gone? All Hope Is Gone. Oh, yeah. What about Volume 3? Uh, Hold on. Volume 3 was Danger Keep Away, so that one's kind of true. Yeah. Iowa was Iowa, which we're not going to get into that. <laughs> oh, man. Did you know Iowa is uh, Sid screaming after he found out his grandpa died? And they recorded that and slapped it in there? No, he did not. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking horrible. Yeah, that's terrifying. <laughs> Why they were doing wanna... a lot of fucking drugs during that album. Well, I know that like the that intro for Iowa, the five one five was like Corey cutting his like his wrist in the in the booth, and they're just recording those noises. Yeah, Jesus Christ! Welcome man. to Iowa, the most yeah. fucked up album ever recorded. <laughs> those guys anyway, um, to kind of wrap up my thoughts about the Slipknot album, I hate to say it, but sometimes change is inevitable, and Slipknot put that to the test i think that with the changes they took and three of the original members being gone at this point i think they came back better than ever we yeah. didn't like point five that was probably i don't know i'd say the weakest slipknot album for me honestly yeah. and that's unfortunate because we had some weird shit going on with volume three we had some interesting stuff in the middle of all hope is gone whatever right slipknot is slipknot but they took their six remaining members they replaced the other three and they came back better than ever man yeah. this feels and you know this is the the alliteration I used the other uh, week or so. Iowa feels like you're trying to down 40 cans of PBR and just get smashed. Yeah. This, We Are Not Your Kind, is you 15 years down the line sitting in a nice plush velvet chair enjoying some 20-year-old scotch. Yep. And getting to the same place just at your own pace. Yeah, I like it, man. 
Uh, it's very mature, and I give it an eight. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, shit. I'm trying to because th- I'm trying to see where, like, this has been the best Slipknot album since, and I'm trying to think. This has been the best Slipknot album since shit, man. I, I guess that really depending on where your starting point is. Yeah. This has been the best Slipknot album since All Hope Is Gone. True. This has been the best Slipknot album since Volume Three. Also true. Best Slipknot album since Iowa. Valid point. <sighs> that's it what, just depends that, on how far back you want to go. That's man. where I'm drawing the line. Is Iowa like? It's like, like is it better than Volume Three? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, you, I, you can't deny that they brought the barbells with them. Yeah. Um. This is this has been the most substantial Slipknot album that I've enjoyed the most since Iowa. Okay. Okay. That's fair. I like Volume Three. Volume Three shows some interesting growth, and mm-hmm. I, that's a, that's the funny thing about that. I'm gonna make a quick note about Volume Three is because they went with Rick Rubin, right? And they swore that Rick Rubin didn't do shit. That he just kind of stood there, came in every now and then, listened to the album, and walked away. And then they didn't have any real guidance. Ironically, that was their most different and unique album at the time. You don't need Rick Rubin to directly do anything. It's just his presence. Yeah, because. Uh, they Slipknot was a was a band. I think at this point, if they were to work with Rick, it'd be completely different now. But Rick, Slipknot at the time was a band that required guidance. They needed to be told what to do. <laughs> hey, stop doing drugs for five minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Need need to be told what to do. And um, I think that's like I said. I think it's ironic that their most you probably unique as far as like experimentation was probably Volume Three at the time, and it was like you know I don't know. Anyway. Um, this was a fantastic album. I'm mm-hmm. going nine. I liked it maybe a little, just a little bit more than you did because that middle section is just so good. It's yeah. so good. Um, it's fucking Sonya's fucking uh, back one, two, one combo. It's just like. And then uh, EX on top yeah, of that. Fucking, that yeah. Um, so Actually, is not this anymore. Album- they, they took it out. <laughs> is this your album of the year? No. No? No. Okay. It's not mine either. I think it'll make the top five. Yeah. I think it's definitely it's definitely going to be in the talks, but it's not. I, I, I like North Lane more. That's fine. Northland had a good album. Yeah. Um, and we'll get around to that in December. Yep. But thank you for making Slipknot relevant. Again. Thank God. Slipknot is back on top because that shit was fucking hot. Yeah. The Kings of. And they're playing tonight, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. They are in Tinley Park tonight. Yep. They are playing. With Gojira, Volbeat, and. Behemoth. Behemoth. Yep. Oh, sweet. Polish death metal. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so um, overall, I think you could both tell that me and Gabe quite enjoyed this album. And I, like I said, I find it funny how a couple weeks ago I'm like, man, this year is kind of disappointing. And over the last like three weeks, it's just like, holy shit. An like, onslaught of music. Yeah, some We're not done yet. Yeah, onslaught, some good stuff. Like oh, I said, I got some three albums. Quick, coming little, quick little bonus thing. Sure. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't bite the bait that I tossed you when I said finally. Uh, Devil Wears Prada teased the music video for something. No, they did not. Yeah, they did. They're in the week. Well, you <laughs> when I said finally, I was waiting like an hour for a reply. And well, I, the, like, I guess I'll move on. The, the th- no, the thing is, is that I'm at work and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get back to him. And then I'm like teaching in a class, and it's like three hours later. I'm like, well, I can't reply now. <laughs> anyway, Dev yeah, Worst product out. tweeted out something, uh, and oh man, I'm hoping we get that album in like November. I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see. They're cutting it close. They 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 threw it out there. And I guess the rest is on them. Uh, we can only build hype. They're the ones that drop it, right? Yeah, this is true. So I, they're doing something. Those chickens are up to something. Well, I think we kind of figured they were up to something. It's Those just, chickens are up to something. <laughs> which, That's from Chicken Run, by the way. The claymation movie where they make chicken pot pie and the chickens are like. Oh. 
<laughs> they're trying to escape. Those those are turkey noises. That you just oh yeah. <laughs> See, <laughs> I think on those turkey noises we should start wrapping this thing up. Yeah. So so you got nothing else to add? No. No. So with that being said, that was episode 128 of the Second City Kids podcast. We will see you here back next week for episode 129. Uh, Three album reviews. Yeah, with three album reviews minimum. And uh, we're about a month away from the five or four year, five, four year anniversary of this podcast. Got to try to think of something special to do. You know what I should do? I'm not going to do it. But what I should do is uh, maybe pull up, download it, and then like commentate over how bad I was at this podcast when I first started it. We could make fun and talk <laughs> shit about money. But anyway, um, with that being said, like I said, that was the Second City Kids podcast. We'll see you here back for next week. And until next time, folks, deuces. Thank you guys for joining us this week on the Second City Kids podcast. You can like us on iTunes, Google, anywhere else podcasts are found. Any comments, questions, or concerns, you can email us at secondcitykids at gmail.com. Until next week, folks, deuces. Deuces.